everybody. Welcome to episode number four of Stories of Strength. Um, a lot of you have, or hopefully a lot of you have tuned in and heard um, a few of my first episodes that have come out um, and are getting the gist of what this is all about, what this project is for. It's all about inspiring people. It's all about helping um, people that just really are looking for a better way to go in life and um, hearing stories of people that may have been in the situation that they're currently in now um, and then having success later, I mean, what a way to identify with somebody and then hopefully um, gather some inspiration for it and um, make you know a difference in their own lives. And then I love to really showcase amazing professionals that I know um, and I've heard some of their stories, some stories I've heard a little bit and I hear the full story the first time here. Um, and so a little bit of that's gonna happen today. Um, and as you guys all already know, uh, the beginning of the podcast is truly, truly, truly about giving gratitude to my guests. Um, so today I have a very, very special guest. Her, De her name is Deborah Ilion. Deborah, um, oh gosh, I just don't know. It's hard for me to come up with the special words for such a special person um, that has touched my life and has touched many people's lives. And she's an incredibly hardworking person. She's got um, one of the strongest moral compasses that I have come across in this industry. Um, she speaks from her heart and she really means it. And, um, and, and I feel very, very, very fortunate and honored to be able to call you a friend and um, most importantly, a friend, but also to be able to do business as well with somebody of your caliber. Um, so Deborah is a guest today. Deborah has a very important story, a very, I think, hard story to share. So I, I, that's the part I want to give a lot of gratitude for. Um, I've mentioned this in other podcasts. It's really hard to open up and become vulnerable and to do it in front of a camera and know that other people will see it. Okay. Um, so I want to thank you for being brave and for being here today um, to share your story because I think it could really help somebody. Um, and so without further ado, let's kick it off. All right. So um, I like to keep it really conversational. I don't want you to feel any pressure. I'm really going to just ask you maybe some questions as they come up. We're going to have fun All right. as much as we can with hard adversity stories. And we're going to, um, and so the first thing I'm going to lead it out by is handing you the proverbial mic. So it's your floor. And I just want you to start at the beginning of the story you want to share. Wow. Well, first, thank you for having me. Um, appreciate you and everything you said right back at you. <laughs> I'm like, that's very kind. I'm like, wow, oh, let me go back outside and come back in. <laughs> um, so the beginning of the story, well, it's a, it's a really long story, but we will start with um, my husband and I have been married for now 26 years. And so they got um, married at 10. We were 10. <laughs> Yeah, 10 years old, and uh, uh, we have two incredible children, Zan, our firstborn, and Ava, our secondborn. They're eight years apart, and um, so 
in our marriage, in our relationship, my focus, my goal was to be a great professional, right? Give my all at everything that I do. But before that, be a great wife, be an amazing mom. That my goal, right? When you have kids, it's like, I wanted to be the best mom ever. Yeah. And um, I felt like I was checking all the boxes, living life, doing all the things, showing up to all the events, you know, making sure that they had the best that we could provide. Yeah. Um, everything, you know, we're, we're, we're believers. We, our foundation is faith. And so, you know, check the boxes, all the things that, you know, you watch Leave It, I grew up watching Leave It to Beaver and I Love Loosely, those, those are my shows. So I had this idea of what I wanted my life to be and marriage and so I'm and married. You wanted the honey, I'm Yeah, old. all of it, right? And I'm married to my own Ricky Ricardo. Um, I, it's so funny, we just saw that documentary. Uh, oh my gosh, so good. And I told him, I said, I feel like we're like Lucy and Ricky, I just need the red hair and be like 20 shades lighter, but it, that's all. <laughs> I love it. Right, so anyhow, um, live life. We're born and raised in San Diego. We're in San Diego doing all the things. Um, about 12 years ago, we moved out to Arizona and it was going to be a temporary two year move because I'm like, I'm not living in hell. And by I'm not heat, she means. <laughs> <laughs> by heat. Yeah, because you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a San Diego girl. I love my beach. She wants and, water and the right. Rain. You know, we love the perfect the weather. And, right. And the demand, right? Absolutely. So it's like, oh, so we moved to Arizona, and, and believe it or not, I fell in love. I fell in love. I love my community. I love where I live. Um, two years has become now 12. But <laughs> In this process, when we initially moved, at that time, our son, Zan, was in fourth grade, he was 10, and our daughter, Ava, was two. So I have been in real estate for over 20, probably 25 plus years now. So she um, started that when she was 10. I was so. also 10, <laughs> really young. So went from, you know, residential multifamily housing with one of the most uh, amazing companies out there, luxury, and then went into real estate with title yeah. and escrow and um, even did home staging. So done several things in the real estate world. So when we moved out here, I'm like, okay, I'm gonna stay home and raise my kids. You know, it, it set us up for that. Cause back home we had family, right? Family means everything. So my family was at the forefront of helping take care of, of Zan and Eva. Yeah, your village, right? right? It's our village. Yeah. So we're out here and doing all the mom things, like I said, you know, going to all the things, making sure Kids are supported. Ava starts preschool, kindergarten. Zan's going. He's a straight A student. You know, they're both, and everyone brags on their kids. But truly, um, Zan, creative, intelligent, loving. Just this morning, and speaking with someone, I said, you know, he never raised his voice. Never talked back. It just like, I'm like this child of mine, you know, and, and our daughter, the same great kid, but she's just like her mama. So she's going to put up a fight. <laughs> I have one of those for sure. I she's it. like, wait a second, you know, and, and Zan would say, okay, wait a second. I don't like it, but I'm going to do it. So, you know, here, here we're thinking we're living the best life, doing all the things, not a perfect life, but truly 
investing everything that we are into our children to give them good values, a good shot at having a great life, right? And in that, um, around the age of 16, Zan um, started showing signs of depression. At that time, I didn't know what that was because I'm, um, I, I'm, I'm a person that's big on affirmations. I never personally struggled, so I had no idea what that looked like. So I was taking it as he's a, being a teenager. He's just isolating. Like the hormones are yeah, I'm like, down. This is, yeah. you know, this is just him growing up and he's our firstborn. So yeah. I'm, I'm on this ride with him. And I, it's interesting because I had reached out to a couple of his teachers um, and I said, hey, you know, I'm, I'm seeing this. I'm seeing that. Oh, he's just being a teenager. I'm like, okay. And then we would have conversations with him and Harry, oh, I'm good. And not, and then high school comes, you know, a couple years. Well, at that 16, he was in high school, and that's when um, his drama teacher called me. And she said, Nicole Jones, love her. She's incredible. She's moved to Utah. Um, but she reached out, and it was after the first summer that um, his, I think I want to say it's his freshman. You know, dates are so like off with me since. So I'm not even going to give specifics on the dates, but it was summer coming back. And I, I want to say this was now his senior year. And um, she said, Deborah, I, I need to talk to you. And I'm like, yeah, what's going on? She says, I just a little concerned right now about Zan. I said, okay, what's going on? And at that time he was nearly, yeah. And I'm like, what? You know, cause he was leading role for Maxwell Smart. He was, sorry, Sir Maxwell, Maxwell Smart. And um, he loved theater, right? He's like I said, top of his class, athletics. He, he did it all, yeah. but theater really captured his heart. Mm -hmm. um, and that was his creative he loved, Yeah, he loved to perform. He loved to make people laugh. And uh, so she tells me, I've been following your family all summer. You've been doing a lot of incredible things, vacations. I've been seeing him in the photos. He looks great. He looks happy. But today when we got together, I asked all the kids to share like a highlight, like something you're grateful for. Yeah. And she's always really concerned. He had nothing to share. And I was like, what? Like, that makes no sense. Like, what? We, he, you know, we share at our table yeah. over dinner every night. We those That's one of the things we do in our house when we yeah. have dinner. And um, I thought, okay, thank, thank you for letting me know. So I shared with my husband. We waited for Zan to come home. And I just talked with them. And I said, hey, you know, how are you doing? I didn't. I didn't throw her into the bus. I just started probing, asking some deeper questions. And and it was really interesting. He says, you know, mom, I, he's like, I think I need to talk to somebody. And I mm -hmm. said, absolutely, absolutely, son. Yeah. And immediately mom mode is like the <laughs> best therapist, yeah. the best doctor, the best, like, I don't care. I will take out, you know, all the equity out of the house yeah. to make sure that my kid gets what he needs. Absolutely. And um, Zan had started talking with with the, with the doctor and therapy and um, we thought everything was good because once again, I don't know what this looks like, right? So he looks fine. 
he seems fine. Yeah, it's he's, not like when they have a cut, you can right, see there's a cut. Right, he's all the out. things. Yeah. He's maintaining a four point whatever grade point average. Like just really excelled in all things, has friends. And I'm like, yeah. okay, he's a good kid. There's no signs of this or that and we're good. It's not like the picture you would imagine. Exactly, yeah. everyone tends to go to this like, Drab and sad. Drab, no friends. sad, no yeah. friends. Um, starting to ditch school or skip school or try out you know, all the things. And never missed school, didn't want to miss school. He loved being, you know, so I'm like, okay, we're, we're good. Yeah. He's talking to someone. We're going to see the light. Hmm. Fast forward, he graduates. He has a full ride to NEU. Those first few weeks of him being gone were the hardest weeks of our lives. And uh, I, I told someone today, because I was having another conversation with someone who was asking me some questions as well. And um, I said, you know, it's really interesting because I feel that I was grieving my son when he first left to school. It was so intense. And I know that the friends in our community understood but they, I think they probably thought, ah, oh, you're being a little exaggerated. And in Espanol, like, oh, protective. Yeah, and in Espanol, you say exagerada, right? A little over the top. Like, yes. come on, helicopter mom. And right. like, I'm not a helicopter mom. I just, there was something within me that I just knew. Like, you know your kid. Right. You know like, your he's kid. He's not in my house. Like, I hope he's okay. Yeah. You know, and while he was at college, he continued on with therapy. He had, he had a new therapist. Like he was on top of his stuff. One of the things that we talk about, like he was so intentional and, and very forward thinking in everything that he did that, you know, the FAFSA, we didn't do any of it. He did. He, I mean, my husband logged in to finish up what he needed to do. He did all of his everything. We, we, didn't touch it. So very independent. Like take charge. Yeah. So stuff. you're thinking, okay, man, this is great. Like, yeah. And it feels like he's mature enough to be mature. You know, no mom, that. I got it. Don't want you to worry. And freshman year, we get through. We're like, okay, this is good. Comes home for the summer. Incredible summer. We had probably the best family vacation with friends. Everything just seemed perfect. Um, mm -hmm. Goes back to school in the fall. We're up there for, for in you know, the first uh, couple of weeks of October, I go up for family weekend with Ava. My husband was out of town. We're doing all the things again. And I had told my husband, I said, wow, I have finally feel like a release. Like he's good. Like I felt like I don't have to worry anymore. And um, the whole month of the, the month, the days leading up to the tragic event, um, he, I mean, our conversations were beautiful. They were just full conversations, like life conversations. And I really was like, man, this, we've taken a turn. Mm -hmm. All the things that I've been wanting, hoping, working towards, praying for, we're there, like, we're good. I don't have to worry. And um, October 26th, um, I FaceTime Zan every Saturday. We we text every day and we would talk every day, but Saturday mornings, okay, what are you doing? You know, so we FaceTimed him. 
He was so excited. He had just worked out for three hours. Um, so, you know, he was very intentional about living healthy for the most part and, you know, just making better choices to help him with the manic and depression and the uh, bipolar that he had been diagnosed with while away at college. So on that phone call, he was pretty upbeat. Seems like oh yeah, it was, was great. Good. He, oh, I'm hanging out with my friends, they're coming, you know. It, oh, great. So then the day goes by around 9.30 at night or so, my husband and I went to dinner and we uh, watched a movie. We went to see a movie. It was, a, I think it's Peanut Butter Falcon. So Zan was a movie buff. He loved movies. He loved screenplay. He loved that stuff. So we saw the movie and then we went to dinner. And while at dinner, my husband is like, oh, Zan's going to love this movie. Let's call him. I mean, that's, we had a very, very close relationship. Like he wanted to son. share this cool movie yeah. with Jesse. So yeah. you call him and he's like, oh, I'm with, you know, my friends. And they were at a dorm. They, he had treated his friends to a movie, I guess. And they had gone to dinner and... They were just hanging out listening to music and um okay well that was around i think our last text conversation with them was around 10 o'clock at night and the next morning we woke up um it was sunday it was football we were going to watch football with friends so we decided to go on a morning hike my husband and i with ava and we were up around six in the morning. We're pretty early in our house, even on the weekends. I know it's the I age. Was like, Dang, you're disappointed. The, the older you get, the earlier you wake up. So even on weekends. So, you know, I when I woke up, I woke up with this like this weird panic. And um, so I, I look up and, you know, I was part of the NEU parent page. And it's interesting because the first thing I saw was a kid was hit by a truck got hit by a car um like in front of the dorms and i'm like oh my gosh you know they didn't say what kids so i'm i panicked i did i freaked out because you're like and, what i hope like yeah, well yeah you don't want to be a child yeah and you know was he walking the street? did he walk across the street did he get hit i wouldn't you know i'm like i'm freaking out yeah my husband's like he's okay calm down and so what what does mom do call when i called it went straight to voicemail that never has happened. So I went into overdrive panic and I told my husband, something went right. to voicemail. He's like, he probably didn't charge his phone. And I'm like, something's not right. Someone's like, okay, we get ready, we go hiking, we hike to the top of the mountain. It's now nine o'clock. And all this time I'm texting him, Mijo, I love you. Are you okay? Please call me. I'm concerned now. So after that hike, it was 9.30, I reach out to, I put him and his best friend on a group text. And I knew they were out late, so I'm like, but I knew he had to be at work, I think at 10 or 11 in the morning. Right, but you're just hoping like he overslept. Right, you're so I'm like, out. oh, now I'm worried. I'm like, you need to wake up, you need to get to work. And long story short, um, his friend says, can't get a hold of him. And my son's roommate was out of town. He went out of town every week and his sweet mates were out of town. And mm -hmm. his best friend told me, he's like, "There's, I, we can't get in the room. So I started calling the RA, the front desk. Mm -hmm. I'm like, my son's not answering. And then he didn't show up to work and he worked with his best friend as an RA assistant. So I'm like, I'm going up. And even then my husband's like, he's okay. I'm like, nope, my mom, like, like I something just, you could feel it. I can feel it. Yeah. I, 
called the police. I called the hospital. I started calling every place in Flagstaff um, and asking all the questions, you know, when's the last time you saw him? What, you know, and so it was midnight and I went on the NAU parent page and I'm like, has anyone seen my son? He's missing. I put a picture up and can't talk, you know, we haven't been able to get a hold of him. He must work and um, I'm really telling you details. Wow. wow. Sorry. You told these many details. I can feel I, I I can I can feel the panic. It was sheer panic. Wow, that's intense. So we were at our friends because we were gonna watch the game, and I'm like, I gotta go. So they act. Thank God they drove us up. We drove up to Flag. I I let everybody up there know we're on our way up. Um, we get there, and it was slow motion movie. Like I felt like this is not happening this you know and i just couldn't the the emo the uh, feeling and the intensity and the adrenaline just to try and find my son and i just wanted to make sure he was okay and i remember leaving countless voicemails like if you tried something, it's okay. I love you. It's it's okay. Don't be embarrassed. Like, you know, I was just like, <laughs> like anything, yeah. anything, right? You yeah. know, and that's one thing. Our conversations were always like, hey, it's okay. Like, if you do something that, you know, we don't approve of, it's okay. You know, like we can work through it. We'll work through it. Yeah. You know, I love you more than anything. Dad loves you more than anything. And beyond that, God loves you more than anything. That was always our message. Yeah. Like, there's nothing you can do to cause us to not love you. Yeah. There's nothing that you can do that will cause us to think of think less of you. So, um, some details. It, it, like I said, it was a slow motion movie, and the police officer, you know, comes out because at this point I'm like, I see my son's room, I see the light because it's like a Calderon was his dorm, and I could the courtyard where we were standing in the lobby, but I could see his room and the light was on and the fan was turning and I'm like, Sam, you know, I wanted to just yell, yeah, like, like open the window, open the yeah. door. And uh, a police officer comes around the corner and I was like, no, he's like, look, come in the room. And I'm like, no, tell me. You know, I was like, tell me. And I, in that moment, I was like, this is a movie. This is not happening to me. And have you seen La Bamba? Okay. Richie! That's it. That was my moment. And I'm like, this is not happening. Our friends, my, we just obviously all on the floor. Like, I, I don't remember. Like, a lot of that, I just don't remember. Um, and so, of course, you know, we had to speak to the officer and, you know, people talking to us, telling us. And in those moments, I don't remember any of it. I don't know what was said. I don't know. Your brain packets were given yeah. to us. And all I knew is I needed to get home to my daughter. I, you know, of course, I, I called my family. Um, I called my sister so she could let my parents know. And that was just so hard because... My parents, but when my when my brother was seventeen, he was in an accident. I was eleven, so the same around you know there's eight years between Zan and Eva, but 
there was a five-year difference between my brother and I. I saw the effects of that. And so that was one of the reasons why going back to marriage, I was scared to have kids. I didn't want to experience what I saw my parents experience. So yeah. we were safe, right? I'm thinking we're safe, always careful. No, you're not riding motorcycle. My brother was in a motorcycle accident. Right. So I was doing all the things to make sure my son was safe. Like that same thing doesn't happen to him, right? Right. But yeah. And uh but I just knew I needed to get home. So on on the drive home, my husband and I look at each other, our friends were driving us, and I we both said, We gotta do something about this. So that was your aha moment of like yes. how can we process this? So that came pretty quick for you. Immediately. And and what's interesting is that I'm I'm a believer of words of affirmation, right? Intention and intentionality. And um at the beginning of October I had started my ninety days to twenty twenty. Mm-hmm. I was writing out five things I'm grateful for and five things that I want to see come to light. Did you do it every morning? Every morning. I had my 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 time. That was just something I did. 5 a.m., my cup of tea, me and my journal. How far along into that 90-day, so October? So you had just started like October 21st, five days before, 27 yeah, 20, days before. 26 something. days. Yeah. yeah, 27 because... By the time so in that journal, I have 27 entries and I've not gone back to it since. Have you even looked at it or read it? I did and I had to shut it. Yeah. But probably your priorities were very different and what you were thankful for and what you wanted to see were different. Well, what's really interesting about the consistency of those journal entries is that, you know, I'll always, you know, I'm thankful for my family, my husband, my kids. Yeah. And, Um, But the things that I wanted to see happen was I wanted Zan to be 100% mentally. And I wanted to be, I didn't know what or how, but I was like, I see myself as the president. I I wanted my, I like, I want to have a nonprofit. I want to help people. But I didn't know where, where do I fit in that, right? Like my, my, my upbringing background didn't give me a platform mm-hmm. of any type of right most people that found are founders of nonprofits you know they've they've been through something that's gotten them to that place and i'm like damn like what what can i bring to the table like i've not experienced you know abuse of any form yeah. and that, that you know um, religious abuse, that's a whole different story. <laughs> <laughs> that that came out of these last few years. Day. That's a different day, different conversation. But Maybe you know what I mean? follow up for it though. <laughs> religious trauma. No, seriously, like I had not experienced anything. I'm like, I'm like, wow, I love women and I'm all about women empowerment. How do I do this? And so, you know, that was just something I'm like, well, I'm, I believe it's going to come to the forefront. So when I look back at that, I was like, wow. I had no idea. Well, the calling was happening, but you didn't know what it was for. It was for, and in that drive home, that was the conversation. My husband and I said, we are not going to be quiet about it. Why? Because my son died by suicide. And 
there's a few things that play into that. One, my background and upbringing, my husband is a pastor's kid. I'm born and raised under the pews, very religious is the best word to put that, right? Yeah. We were just raised in this very... Well, and what does religion say about... Right, very yeah. boxed, closed, great people. I mean, I'm, I mean, sure. I am who I am because of my upbringing. So there's, I'm, I'm not trying to diss that, right? Or, I'm sure you met some really wonderful, amazing people that influenced you positively in your life. It's just that when you have a loss, and it could be any kind of loss. Sometimes the way that you interact with people and how people interact with you changes because your life has changed. And in your case, because of the, um, there's a lot of negative, I mean, you and I have talked about this. Right. There's a lot of negative stigma. People don't really understand behavioral health. Right. They don't understand, like we understand diabetes or a heart um, issue, or um, taking blood thinner so you don't have a heart attack, taking insulin so the diabetes, you don't lose your eyesight and right. you can function and not become in a coma. But very rarely do we ever talk about depression and anxiety and bipolar and schizophrenia. And there's a whole bunch of other things that are in the DSM-5 that right. most people don't understand. And the battle wounds are not outside, they're inside. I mean, so is the diabetes and insulin. You can't really see that, but you can test for it, right? There's a proof that this thing exists. Right. And so then if somebody dies because the insulin was incorrect or something happened because of this medical illness, people feel sympathetic. They feel, I'm sorry you lost your loved one. Right. What an awful thing when it is that the death is by suicide, now you have people that have different viewpoints because religion comes in. Right. Or politics or their own feelings on it. And I'm certain this happened to you. Oh, wow. That people were not yes. very sympathetic. Well, they probably were sympathetic to you. They but were. not sympathetic to your son. Right. And and say, why did he do wow. that? Oh my gosh. You know? Yeah. It, well, that was one of the things that was said to my husband. How how could he break our heart? And I was like, I'm gonna pull eyeball eyeballs out. Like, how dare you? How dare you think you know my son? You know, and so that's a lot of opinions, people thinking that they knew the why or the you know how selfish, right? That's the immediate people go to that space, but when we chose to speak about this, um, I'm like, we're gonna have to deal with religion and then we're gonna have to deal with stigma, but I'll be damned that we don't do something about this yeah. and we don't help prevent others from experiencing this. Yeah. And we don't help other kids who are not receiving the appropriate help. Well, and I think Zan, based on everything you've told me, deserves to have his memory preserved as a like as a cherished memory, not of like the last things that happened or the people's opinions on how it turned out. He was a wonderful person. Absolutely, and he deserves to have that remembered about. Absolutely, him. you know. Um, you know, one of the things I'm very 
open and I share all on social media and even more so with this, this became part of what, I mean, my mornings at 4, 30, 5 in the morning, I I, I couldn't couldn't breathe. First, first morning and my husband and I started doing these walks every single day. So I started sharing because it was just a way for me to be able to release. So the walk started the first morning after you took yes. the news. That I started like sharing. Yeah, because we always would wake up and walk, but it became part of what I needed to do to breathe. Had to. And um, I, I tried, I've tried to go back to watch videos and I can't because it's just too raw. You mean like the family videos or things like that? No, my, my personal journal. Oh, like the this, events, everything that happened? The events and how I just shared my heart and where I was at. And it's just so raw that I can't do it. One day I plan to because that's what I was feeling. That was me there and then. And it's interesting in this space, there's a lot of things I don't remember. They, they say you get this like amnesia with tragic, tragic it's loss. Like self preservation yeah, yeah. so i'm like i don't remember <laughs> you know and so well i anyhow. have to give you a compliment though that you were able to have enough strength discipline and to care about people enough to make the videos even right now you can't watch them someday i'm sure you will at some point at some point you could maybe little by little watch a few and it right. may change and maybe you won't make maybe my assumption that you will is wrong the point that I'm making is that you um, were not afraid to talk about it, which most people are afraid to talk about whatever's vulnerable, specifically when it's surrounding. I mean, the same thing is, it, I feel like parents who lose their children to addiction, it's very similar. Absolutely. And and actually, again, just bringing up the DSM-5, like, I mean, addiction is a behavioral health issue, right? And so does it make it any better if my brother passed away due to juvenile diabetes or like we feel so sorry, but I have a brother who died. I don't, but right. but my brother right. had a heroin overdose. Right. So he's no good, but he's good. Right, because you, we we bring judgment. Well Yeah, because we approve oh, the behavior, of this man. We judge the behavior and it's like what led that person to that behavior? Well, and then the reality is, is that when people have behavioral health issues, they are in a different reality than you and me, or like, we all are in our own reality, right? But there's kind of like this reality that the general public lives in, right? But the people who have serious behavioral health issues, their brain does not see the reality in the same way. But unless you've experienced it yourself, or you've had a family member close to you that deals with that, it's virtually impossible to understand the depth of the pain, right. of the desperation, right. of the not knowing what to do next or not thinking there's a next. Right. So for like somebody who has zero idea of what that means, sure, it's easy to judge. Sure, it's easy to put blame. And maybe like even they feel like they're making you feel better by giving that sort of sympathy. Mm -hmm. Most people are not evil. I don't right. think they no, want to reach out to it's, me. It's evil. not from a bad place. But it's an ignorant place. It's from a lack of knowledge yeah. and pure ignorance. It really is. Um, and that's, you know, where we're at. So we immediately 
wanted to bring and help bring change and it's like we need to end the stigma we need to have conversations people need to know it's okay to not be okay. I'm smiling not because of like I just you know that was just my, my heart I'm like okay I I can't change what happened it sucks and that you'll I say that word a lot like if we could get the rewind button we can get the remote with right. either yes but I can't change it so I'm not gonna live in that but I am going to live in the space that what can I do to help others Awesome. One, my son's memory will always be remembered. You know, world shaker, history maker, just never I love it. imagined. Say it again. I love that. He's a world shaker and a history maker. Love and it. I've always said that since he was born, both him and Ava, they're world shakers, history makers. We are born with it. purpose to help others. Yeah. However that is. Yeah. And so very intentional with Bringing, raising the kids, right? Raising yeah. our son and to be a good human, to be kind, to love people, to, to, to help the less fortunate, to, you know, give to the needy. I mean, he, he had a heart for any time there'd be homeless, we need to go get him food. You know, I mean, that's just, that's what we wanted both yeah. Sam and Ava to have. And it's compassion and be empathetic. Good humans. That's it. It doesn't cost anything to be a good human. So... I'm, I'm like going off track here. It's okay. <laughs> I'm like, I'm going off track, but the, the bottom line is how can we help? Yeah. So immediately we're thankful for the village of friends that we have. Um, friend of ours is, is an attorney here in Arizona and immediately reached out. What can I do? I'm like, I need to start a foundation. You're like, help me put together the documents for a yeah, 501c3. Like, I need, we need a foundation. We need to help people. Like, I don't even know how to do it, but we need to make this happen. And he immediately, what do you want to call it? Zanu Matter, because that was, in, that was what? My husband immediately is, Zan mattered. And of course he mattered. Everyone matters. Sometimes in the space, though, people feel like they don't matter. Well, the individual, especially when they're going through the pain, they feel as if they don't matter and that actually probably the people around them like could be better off with them not around. Right. Which is really just the depression voice talking. The mental health voice is not healthy right now. Right. But that is what that person believes. Absolutely. They do believe it. That's really hard thing for people to understand but um i think it's really amazing so um i think the name of your uh foundation is very cool i think it's kind of an interesting name too because you could put other names in it like sarah you matter or dylan you matter like so many people need to hear deborah you matter I mean, it's just like, it's, it, it, so to tell a little bit more about the foundation, like, what are you doing with it? Who do you talk to? Who does it help? Well, that's a great question, Heather. <laughs> I'm putting on my interviewer hat. It's a great question. Well, let me tell you. Um, well, we are in the infant stages still. Um, it's, it's pretty cool because yes, immediately. We got the name, nonprofit status, 501c3, all of the legal stuff taken care of. 
Um, we, the goal of the foundation is to one, end stigma. Yeah. Number one, we need to be able to talk. We, we, we need knowledge in order to address things going on that we are clueless about because we lack the knowledge, right? Absolutely. So end stigma, raise awareness and, and provide resources through education as well as um, just last month we were able to help two individuals. One attended a in in like a in service intake. He was there for about a month um, for bipolar to learn how to live and manage it. So I was going to ask, you're supporting people that are dealing with the behavioral health or maybe in crisis. Correct. And then also you might help support somebody who's um, lost a family member that died by suicide. Yes. So initially it was and stigma raise awareness. We need to educate people. Yeah. When we rolled things out and, and we were open about our story, people started reaching out, didn't they? I cannot begin to tell you how taken back I was. The need in all spaces, age, social, economical, mm -hmm. cultural, cultural, mm -hmm. religious, yeah. non-religious, yeah. the need is so great. Yeah. And I'm not a professional, neither is my husband. All we have is our personal experience and our story. Sure. And a ear to listen. Or do you know now, because you've been doing this, where to find a resource? Yes, absolutely. I think that's like the biggest thing is that a lot of the reason that people are in the boat they're in, it's that they don't really know where to look. Where to look, correct. It's not that easy to find help. Well, and it, then there's so many be, options, like where do you go? And then they don't have room. And when are not taking new patients. Right. I mean, immediately, that's story, but. immediately um, within, I think the next month, I, I, I'm trying to remember, I just know we went because that's how we were just desperate to help. My husband and I went and became um, certified um, for mental health. So it's like CPR, but yeah. for mental health. We went and got our certification. So you're okay to take a crisis call? Is that kind of stuff? It's it's knowing what questions to ask, yeah. how to unpack the layers because there's so many different layers. Yeah. You know, where before I would ask Dan, son, do you want to hurt yourself? Well, he didn't want to hurt himself. Exactly. So the answer is no. That's not the question you want to ask. Yeah. And it's little things like that. And in my mind, my mom mind, I was like, well, I don't want to say something that's going to cause him to want to do something if he's not thinking of it. And what I learned in this class is when someone's already thought of it, you can't make someone think it. No. It's already there. So the proper question, and it's a hard one, is have you thought of killing yourself? And what a hard question. How can you ask your child that? Have you yeah. thought of like, because you don't want to hear the answer. But my question to him was always, have you thought of hurting yourself? And you're right. No, I don't. No one wants to hurt themselves. You don't. I don't want to cut myself. Right. I don't want to die. I don't want to die. Like our natural instinct is to live. 
But when someone is in crisis mode and they're in so much pain, I've learned this from the psychiatrist. You know, we, I mean, we've had lots of conversations with lots of different professionals so that we're, one, our own mental health now because this has become a, this is traumatic. And so the things that I never experienced, I now know what anxiety feels like. I now understand what depression feels like. I, because I've been living it. Yeah. I've been living it. I know what it feels like to not want to get out of bed. Grieving is hard. I mean, grieving is hard. And it's kind of part of that process people do that have never had depression or anxiety, they develop those symptoms. Your brain just goes in overload, right? Like, and it's, you know, like you were saying, the amnesia, well, it's because you're, it's like a computer, like, I mean, it doesn't happen as much, but I don't know if this used to happen to you. You're trying to download something, so you just keep clicking it because it'll download faster. (laughs) It's going to download faster if you keep clicking it or try to open other things. And then the computer crashes. Mm-hmm. Because just like your brain, there's circuits going to it. And when there's too much going to the brain via these circuits, your brain is like a computer. It's going to do things systemically right. to save itself. Yeah, what, what was really interesting is that um, Dr. Gottlieb, he's a psychiatrist out of Scottsdale, a good friend of ours, he said, when someone dies by suicide, it's as though their brain, he's all, imagine a car crash. Imagine you're seeing your car is going into that next car and you're slamming on the brakes and the brakes yeah. are not working. Yeah. That's what the brain does. It's a flip that switches and you can't flip it off. And so if someone is alone during that moment, that moment, of a meltdown you're right the brain it just shuts down and it goes there's there's a movie right the kid movie the computer movie also what's the um oh i can't think of it right now like the inside out the one no, it's, the, he's, it's a computer and they fix the computers it's like they're inside the computer anyhow it's going to drive me nuts i can't think of it now I'll add it in the show. Yeah, but never mind. <laughs> Throw it in the, in the clips. But anyhow, so that's what he, that's how he explained it. And I immediately, you know, it's really interesting because you can take, I can take the experience and say, died by suicide. And that's it. I chose to take it and say, my son was ill just like anyone else's kid who may have cancer, who may have all these things. And they just, they fought and fought and fought until they had no more strength to fight. That has helped me to be able to get out of bed. And I have to constantly be like, you know, like the script will come out and I have to go back and like rewind and like, let me, let me fix that. Let me edit the script because the brain takes you there. That's really important um, that you mentioned that because you can trick your brain. You can rewrite the script. It takes practice to learn that. Not a lot. Maybe just somebody to tell you that that's possible. Um, But it's awesome that you've made that a practice because a lot of times it's a script running through your head 
that dictates the next scene in your life. And so when our brain just writes its own script and we're not in a great place, you have to really like look at it and decide, do I keep this or I'm gonna be the editor of the script and I'm gonna take that out and I'm gonna put a different dialogue in. And we're fortunate to be able to do that, right? right? Like, I don't know, that's pretty amazing. It but is. you have to know some that people, you can do some it. Some people can't because they have mental illness. Yeah, or they don't even know they can do it. And they don't even, yeah. They just don't even know. Or they feel like in that moment that there is no writing the script. That's the hard part. Right. Um, I was talking about this to somebody. You know, when people have been through enough things or they have behavioral health issues or maybe they came up like in a rough environment or they went through, I mean, any number of the topics that will be heard on my, my show, our brain sometimes believes we're inherently flawed. And how do you rewrite the script when you believe you're inherently flawed? And I mean, I've had that feeling in my own life and I've had to sit down and I'd really have to trick my brain and say, you're not inherently flawed, Heather. Right. And to say it enough times that my brain believes it. Right. So that each time that you're practicing the rewriting of the script, your script's probably coming out better, more, right. more frequently more how you want it to be right it the the moments are not as frequent right yeah. as time passes moments come but they're not as frequent yeah. so absolutely yeah. so um how long have you had the nonprofit going for now so we immediately i mean launched it you know it's been his, about three years about we're going on three years um a celebration of zan celebration of life was november 9th and so it was in place Right. Um, the the name the foundation was and then the 501c3 was like two months after we got that squared away which is great you know since then initially you know I, I brought these with me because I wanted to share it we're, we're still right it's a constant evolving but stickers right because that's the thing so um, we, we handed these out as his at his celebration of life so that's for you Heather you matter and that's my son so if you see those around town Friends take stickers and they place them everywhere. Um, one of the, a friend of ours who went to NAU, who is a teacher, um, she's in Europe, and so she, she, you know, sends me pictures of where she puts the stickers. Aww. And um, the last one was at the Coliseum, and she sent me a picture. So you know, I'll post those on Instagram on his page. Um, but it's evolved. We had our first fundraiser last October. Because, uh, you know, COVID and all things, it sort of shut us all down to do everything. And then that was its own. That was another layer, right? He transitioned. I like to use the word transition. He transitioned in October, November, December. You know, I worked for an amazing company that gave me that time off. Both my husband and I were off for about a month. So we really used that time to work on not even healing because... And we're still healing. But we worked on that time just to be. Yeah. And <laughs> to, just to be. And to like be prepared to like start healing. Yeah. Probably like that yes. wasn't really healing time. That was just right. like preparation to figure out how do we start healing. Right. So, <laughs> you know, so we, and then COVID, right? March, everything shuts down. And it's like, so you need people when, when you're, when you deal with loss, you need people. And the village is usually there for the first two weeks, but then when the village leaves, you're left with your own thoughts. You're Absolutely. left 
crippled in the sense of emotionally because yeah it it just over everything about it and during that space it was like we need to work through this we need to work through this we need to help others and that really did help us and because of covid the need for resources became even greater than it was the year before because so many people were affected Oh, yeah. Right? The isolation, isolation. being home alone. Thanks. Uh, yeah, it just was intense. And so we had many conversations. Um, but, you know, we we did create another sticker. You know, I, I now have a someone who's helping us. Um, and some he, marketing inside. Some marketing inside. And, you know, another sticker that has a QR code to the website. And, and the website's being finalized by the end of this month. I'm excited to have more resources up there. So, and then we created these You Matter cards. And so last year we started for his birthday and in October, um, his angel anniversary, we passed these out. It says You Matter. And on, on this side here, um, you know, it's Alexander, his date of birth and date of transition, but it says, let someone know they matter, show someone kindness, pass this card along in honor of Zan. And then it has the text, you know, the if you need help and the org. So so we pass these along. Um, and, you know, whenever we do a good deed or we ask our friends, like if you're out and you're buying the coffee for someone behind you, give them a card. You know, pe- people need to know that they matter. Absolutely. It's it's key. It's key to to. Um, do you want to share the information? Here, do you want to share? Absolutely. What if what, if somebody wanted to reach out to you, or somebody um, wanted to learn more about Zan You Matter Foundation? Um, I know there's a website. We've got a QR code. The QR yeah. code is going to be linked to the website. To the website. So the the website is Zan with an X. ZanYouMatter.org. Um, you can also find us on Facebook at Zan You Matter. And on Instagram, it's Andy Matters. So um, if you are someone that you know is struggling um, to live and struggling with depression, anxiety, bulimia, and I mean, um, oh my gosh, anorexia, any any of those things, they're all forms of behavioral health. All those things. Um, they, we have the national hotline now that's 988. You can call or text it, and they will route you to... to so 988 is like the 911 I will say that Arizona does not have the funding for it, um, which is really saddens me because we have one of the highest suicide rates. Hmm. Right? Where's our priorities? That another conversation for a different day. Yeah. So, you know, yeah, that's just a whole nother conversation. So 988 doesn't work in Arizona? Well, here's the thing. It works, but they don't have the resources to share. So, and I say it works because I tested it. I was like, before I give out numbers, I text 988 and it says, okay, you have to agree. So you agree and then it will, but it will outsource you. So there's no... Arizona resource, but you will get to somebody. Okay. So um, so that's super important, but there is like, you can also text home to 741741 
and that's another option if you just want to text somebody. So, so home to 741-741, okay? Ideally, the things to look for, if someone is in crisis mode, get them to the ER or call 911. If they are at a point of crisis, they they need to be seen immediately. Yeah, like don't wait. Don't wait. If someone's talking about it, get them get them some help immediately. You know, schedule an appointment with the therapist. Um, go go to your primary care doctor. Ask them for a list. You know, I mean, there there are resources out there. But believe it or not, they are limited. No, they are. I, I understand that. Um, and it's really great. I know that there there is like this also suicide hotline, right? Um, sometimes I believe that hotline is created in the idea that you could talk to somebody. Sometimes you just need to talk to somebody. You just need to talk it out. So I know that I've put this out there. Um, to anybody, you can find me really easily on Facebook. I take phone calls. Um, I care about our community too, and I know you do too. If if I could ever help anybody, please reach out. Um, that's what Stories of Strength is designed to do. It's designed to bring light and inspiration and to make a difference right. for our community. and. Um, you know, I'm starting here, but who knows? Maybe I could, we together right. can make a difference in the world through inspiration and through storytelling, um, real stories, and then real people that have survived. Like, so you, um, since I know you professionally, I knew you during the time when this happened, and I didn't know you were going through that. I really didn't, you know, Deborah, you always have a positive outlook, a positive attitude. Um, you were able to be strong in order to continue doing your work because you still had the bills and the things, the life, unfortunately, it doesn't stop. Life doesn't stop. It right. just keeps going. It, it does. But for you in those moments, it does feel like it needs to stop, I'm sure. So I have to give you the accolade of like being an outside viewer, just having really no idea what had happened. I think probably about, it's been about a year that I know um, the story of Zan. Mm -hmm. um, and you've continued to grow in your career. Like, I think you've had a promotion since this happened. Yeah. Like, well, I remember, maybe two, I don't know. Yeah, interestingly enough, um, pandemic, right? We're home and I'm I'm really out of the box when it comes to creativity and thinking. And that's just, that's why I think you and I connect so well, because we're like, what can we do? Yes. Let's make it best, right? Yes, you know, yeah. my, my personal tag is provide value and serve with excellence. And I really, really strive to be that. In, in all that I do. Um, so I, I received a call and they were, uh, you know, to be recruited to another company. And I'm like, why would I go? Like, I'm doing really well right now, even in the pandemic, like yeah. thinking outside the box, I'm doing all these different things. And it's, you know, business is better than ever. And um, I did, I, I made a move. Um, you know, they say the grass isn't always greener. 
but sometimes it's it is better. <laughs> it's longer, softer, better shape. You know, and so I I did. I, I moved over to an incredible company. You can say it. Okay, I wasn't sure. Yeah, I, I work for OfferPad. Um, I bleed orange, and that's uh, true. <laughs> I didn't wear an orange dress today simply because I didn't want it to clash. <laughs> she doesn't know doesn't what the backdrop fashion. looks like. Yeah, I'm like, I didn't know. <laughs> it would have worked. Darn it. Just no green. No green. Yeah, I was, I don't know if she said, don't wear orange or anyhow. So um, it's been great. So they brought me on to, to help um, spearhead and launch our Age of Partnership program, which since has developed into the partnership program and um, was in just Arizona. Now it's across the United States and all of our markets, there's 22 of us and it's just exciting. So I have the honor and privilege to work for an incredible company who is about people. Um, it's about helping others. And we, we have solutions that, um, you know, people may need in their home buying and That's selling awesome. process, which is great because I'm able to still work for the agent community that I love agent and brokers to give them a resource so that they can provide to their customers an option. Because ultimately the goal is the customer. So I see a common thread here. You like to give people resources and be a resource and yeah. serving people. And it's your servant heart that brings success to you and it'll continue to do so. Um, I really believe that. Um, and I'm just thinking now about like what it must have been like going for a new job with like the experience you just and you still got that job and you have done very well in your job and I've watched you grow and blossom and um, I'm just very proud of you as a friend. I, I, am, I have admiration for you. Um, your strength is incredible. I mean. I think I shared this with you before. I mean, I have two little ones and when I hear your story or even just when earlier you were sharing the moment of panic, like I literally, that's it. it you made me cry. Thank you. <laughs> Sorry, but it, I could really truly identify with that panic over your child. And the reason I say that is as a parent, I mean, if something's not okay with my child, that is and can be debilitating and has been. I've experienced it even in their short lives. So I'm sure when this most difficult thing that could happen with your child, I mean, the fact that you were just able to continue and grow and think outside of your sorrow and your grieving to create something in your child's memory that can also help other people. It's just incredible. And I really want to say thank you so much for being here. Thank you for opening up. I know that it's, um, I know you've shared about it, but it's like you, it's different when you go through the memory and you're like sharing the whole story again. It's different when you're sharing bits and pieces to like telling the whole story. So I'm very thankful that you are open to that. And I do believe that somebody's going to hear the podcast. It's going to make a difference for them. And just truly, you matter. You matter. You matter. Everybody matters in this world. Um, and 
you guys all know that this, what this podcast is about, people matter and people can become successful. We can be happy. We can help others. Um, you know, I, again, thank you so much for being here. Thank you to my listeners. Um, you guys know, I always ask if you see this on Facebook or Instagram, share it. It might just be the message somebody needs to hear that day. Um, also, of course, reach out to me if you've got a, short, a story that you would like to share. I want to hear it and I want to share it with our audience. Um, and just in case if anybody doesn't remember, you can find me on Instagram. I'm Heather Darren. You can find me on Facebook. I'm Heather Darren. <laughs> Pretty easy to find. It never changed. It doesn't change. I've had the same phone number for 22 years. Um, I'm pretty easy to find and um, love to be a resource on either side. If you have a, sh- a story to share or you just want to maybe connect with one of my guests, um, um, so far all of my guests have said it is okay. Is it okay Absolutely. with you? Okay, great. So just know I'm here to, to bridge that gap. And um, so like, share, and stay tuned. Um, this These episodes are going to come out weekly. And I just want to thank everybody for the time to listen to us today. And I hope everybody has an awesome and amazing productive week. See you all soon and talk to everybody soon. Bye. My words come from my soul. Control of one's own path is a destiny that a man must choose.